0: Welcome, everybody.
1: I'm so glad that you could join us today. I have a really great conversation in store for you today. We are going to be talking about the difficult people in your life, including the ones that are downright toxic and what you can do about them. My special guest today is a relationship consultant, a mediator, speaker, and author, Dr. Roberta Shaler. She is the Relationship Help Doctor, and she provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis. Her mission is to help people stop tolerating abuse. Even the United States Marines have sought her help. Dr. Shaler focuses on helping the partners, exes, and adult children of relentlessly difficult people she calls hijackles. She offers strategies for dealing with the constant uncertainty and jaw-dropping behaviors of the difficult, toxic people she calls hijackals. Author of 16 books, including Escaping the Hijackal Trap and Stop That Crazy Making, How to Stop Playing the Passive-Aggressive Game. She is the host of three podcasts, Emotional Savvy, The Relationship Help Show, Save Your Sanity, Help for Handling Hijackals, and Focus on Forward, Fuel for a Fearless Future. Her YouTube channel for RelationshipHelp.com has reached over 200,000 views. Clearly, Dr. Roberta has some
2: help for
1: people in their relationships. So thank you so much, Dr. Roberta, for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you here.
2: Well, it's my
1: pleasure. So can we get started and you tell us a little bit about what hijackals are and how they derail us?
2: <laughs> well, certainly. Let me just point out for a moment why I created that term, Robin, because I think that there are too many people who are suffering and they go to the internet and they put in, you know, my partner or my mother or my father or whomever it is, behaves this way. And they forget that the internet is an index. It's not a mental health professional. So they put that in and then... Highly likely they're going to get material about narcissists or borderlines, or sociopaths or psychopaths, and then they're going to say, oh, well, now the other person has a problem. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted was a term that you didn't need a diagnosis for, but you could understand the patterns, the traits, and the cycles of these relentlessly difficult toxic people so that you could know what was happening to you and you could make good decisions about your life and handle things differently. So hijackals are people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control. And they particularly like to do that at home, Mm -hmm. and then they'll put on a great show of being a great person out in the public. Mm -hmm. So it gets very confusing because everybody thinks, oh, they're wonderful. And then at home, you're totally being trampled. Right. And so it's confusing because then you think there must be something wrong with me because they're great outside the home.
1: Mm. Very confusing for sure.
2: Very confusing. And it's very confusing for children because they're seeing two models and usually growing an extreme between the two models of mom and dad, if one is a hijackal and one is not. And so they have a DNA from both. They like to please both. They're totally frustrated. And depending on their level of whatever age they are, their level of brain development, what it means to them, what meaning they take from it, and when it occurs. And so it's very, very confusing in the home. Sure. Um, but it, it is it is a very trying thing to be brought up in a home where one parent is a hijackal. And if the other parent is endeavoring to make it okay or make excuses or make nice or um, maybe not not be very active, maybe be quite passive um, for a while, hoping that that will bring the peace, we always have to remember that that's what the children are seeing. That's the model that they're seeing. And we need to teach children that they deserve to take up space and draw breath, and then that they deserve to have the right to speak of their feelings, their thoughts, their needs, and their wants, and that someone needs to be listening to them. Mm -hmm. So that's what the parent who does not have the hijackal tendencies has to bring to the table because the hijackal parent will not. So how
1: can we support kids who might be in a situation like that, who have a parent that's, you know, they're struggling to get their attention, their love, approval, and then, you know, then they're maybe acting out in these ways too. So how can we kind of support kids in that situation?
2: Well, it depends on who we are.
1: (laughs) Okay, right. So, like, say, the parent, you know, the parent who is not the hijackal. The other
2: parent. Yes. Well, that's a really tricky road, so I'm glad that you asked the question because, remember, the child has the DNA of both, and they don't want to hear bad things about other parent from the other parent. Sure. And then, when you have a divorce situation, in every divorce decree, there is a stipulation that you cannot say anything negative about the other parent to the child. Sure. So, what you have to do is the modeling and then focus in your relationship with the child that you make it all right for the child to have their feelings and talk about it, to share things that are age appropriate with the children. Don't make children your confidant and say, oh, I don't like her either, right? Not that lot like that, but to say, yes, it can be really difficult. You know, when things are really difficult for me, I take a sit back and say, is it really anything that I did or is it just something that they're going through? Sometimes that helps me. And so you can model that for the child. You know, of a child of the age of 12, we Mm -hmm. were discussing. Of course, for little people, what you want to do is distract them and give them the best possible healthy environment that you can when they're with you. You can't really talk about it, but you can give them space so that they can talk, and then you can reflect back, and you can shape the conversation so that the child feels validated and heard, You know, yes, I think that would make me really angry too. Mm -hmm. "Mm, Yeah, I feel sad when I hear that. And so we're validating that the child's feelings make sense. Mm -hmm. How can we like kind of break that
1: pattern? Because the children are obviously mimicking behaviors and saying things to appease, you know, the parent kind of thing so it's easier just to keep your mouth shut and not say anything or say things that the parents want to hear so how can we kind of break those patterns
2: well i i think that that would be very ambitious to think we're going to break them but (laughs) (laughs) we can influence them right
1: Mm -hmm. Um, better choice of words
2: well, yes. And, and, you know, not not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, the ch- the child has been influenced by both parents. So now we have to, to just slowly move them in another way. And a hijackal is a person who doesn't demonstrate empathy and has very little to demonstrate. They do know how to mimic empathy to get what they want in certain times.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But they don't naturally have empathy. They can't put themselves in your shoes and they don't want to anyway because they don't care about you very much. So why would I want to do that? Why would I want to feel what you feel? Why why not? Jeez, you know, it's not about me, so I'm not gonna waste any time in that. So silly you, deal with it. You know, the ultimate hijackal parent, and if you think about this, it's kind of surprising to many people, the ultimate hijackal parent We'll say this, now other people say this as well because they've heard parents say it, but an ultimate hijackal type remark is a child is crying and the, the parent says, what are you crying for? If you're going to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. I'll be the author of your tears. You don't have a right to cry about something that I didn't do. Mm-hmm. That is the ultimate horror, right? So when you start thinking about that kind of thing, we have to unpack that for the child and to begin to to give validity to the child's feelings. So when in the situation when that girl is lying and the father knows she's lying, he might say something like, oh, I remember when I was a kid, it, sometimes I thought I would get by by just hopefully saying something that wasn't quite true and hope that it would just blow over. But what I learned later was I didn't feel good about it and it got into being a habit and, and it could have gotten bigger than I wanted it to, so I stopped.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you just say something like that and just let it float. Just leave it echoing in the room. Don't make a big deal of it. But just be willing to share yourself at age-appropriate things,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to say, oh, well, I figured that out, and yeah, I know, sometimes you think it would be easier to lie. I mean, I had hijackable parents. I understand, you know, <clears throat> I had them calibrated right down to a T. They didn't really care what I did. They cared that they had asked me what I was doing, so they could say, well, I asked, and then i just tell them whatever I, I they wanted to hear, and then I'd do what I wanted.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I happened to be a total goody two-shoes, so it wasn't anything <laughs> much. But, you know, I w- if I was going somewhere that they disapproved of, I would say I was going somewhere they approved of. Mm-hmm. And they'd never check because they they didn't care. Right. So when you start showing that you care, legitimately care, not in an overbearing um, way trying to be possessive, because we never want the child to feel that we have substituted possessive for protective, Mm -hmm. right? So that we give the child, I'm here for you, you know, I'll stand up for you, I've got your back, but not... You're my possession, and you will do it the way I want you to do it, which is the way a hijackal does it. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a big hint, you know, for this dad to, to, to let his daughter know, no, no I, I'm, I want to protect you. I've got your back. I'll walk beside you. And, yes, you know, I don't think that's quite true what you're saying. Um, but I think, you know, we do really, really much better together if we were honest with each other. What do you think? Right, yeah. Right. Don't be afraid to, to just speak about the elephant in the room without going ballistic or without being sarcastic or without being blaming or shaming. You can just give something a name without attaching any kind of great feeling to it. You know, that just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't really make sense. Are you sure that's the truth? Right. I mean, that's quite benign. No, what do you think you're doing, young lady? I'm smarter than that. I know you're lying. Like, right. That child's going to go into shutdown. But you say, yeah, I don't know, doesn't feel quite right to me. Are you sure that's what happened? Right. You know, you leave a little space.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, we're talking about a 12-year-old here. <laughs> sure,
1: absolutely. And uh, yeah. But,
2: you know, it changes in, in other directions, younger or older,
1: Sure, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, 12 years old is kind of kind of the middle ground. It's like they're just, they're old enough, so they really do understand a lot of things. and
2: They do, but they also need their time to, to still be young. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that gets grabbed from them when they have a hijackable parent. They're having to think about things that children should not have to think about. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's, the, that's where the children get robbed. That's where there can be uh, what we call adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. It can also be where what we call SENS is, childhood emotional neglect, because the, the hijackal parent is not interested in the child, so therefore the neglectful aspect shows up, and the the hijacker parent only wants adoration and respect and validation from their child it doesn't go in the other direction
1: right so we're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back
0: live up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel Whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances, you find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day. It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it. Yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach robin's five-week course be persuasive how to have successful conversations outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations You'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication. Raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner. Maintain your focus, no matter how the other party reacts. And resolve problems once and for all. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com.
2: Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping into the Tenda Cheng Life Transformation with Dr. and Master Shah with host Diana Gold-Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shah. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping into the Tenda Cheng can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment.
3: Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Welcome back. So
1: what I'd like to talk about right now is... How, like, for example, you know, this young girl, she's kind of at a place where I personally think her emotions have shut down. And so if she's not being in tune with her own feelings, if it's safer just to tell other people what they want to hear, how can we help her get back in tune with her feelings and feel like it's safe enough to share what is going on internally?
2: Well, the big word that you sh- that you put there, Robin, is so true. It's safety. It hasn't been safe around the hijackle. It never is.
1: Mm-mm.
2: Oh never. So, mm-hmm. so creating safety means that you, as a parent, you need to spend time with the child. So one of the things that would be maybe a little tricky and a little more difficult, as it's father and daughter as opposed to mother and daughter, uh, is to find some ways of supporting the child and what she likes to do. You know, if she plays sports or if she goes to music lessons or whatever... You know, don't be overwe- overbearing, but be validating and interested. Um, there's a lot of wonderful things that happen in relationships with our children when we're driving them places. The child is a captive in the car. Yes. <laughs> and they, want, they want you to take them where they want to go. So you've got two things going for you. And if you hone your communication skills... You know, I always tell people when they're leaving a hijackle or they have left, as a parent, it is paramount that you get some professional help so that you're not getting spillage from your own emotions, from the relationship. You heal it as soon as you possibly can, clean it up and, and get back on track, empowered yourself about the life you want to create. So, first of all, do your own work, and then you will know and have strategies and skills for engaging the child or children in communication that is non threatening
1: mm-hmm.
2: right and non interrogating and a twelve year old girl does not want to be interrogated, you know so it has it has to be a benign, pleasant open thing, you know, you know, that old thing about what did you do do at school today? Nothing. What did you learn? Nothing. You know, that kind of shutdown. Well, it's really important to be able to say, well, you know, I'm interested because I I don't remember what happened when I was 12 and what you were learning in that subject area. So I'm kind of interested if you could just catch me up. And then you get back on even ground. It's not about what did you learn? Right. You ask questions like, well, what was going on in art today, you know, and and generalize it to everybody's experience rather than hers, and, and then you can carry on with the conversation and maybe she'll volunteer something, uh, and that will give you a window into, oh, sounds like you were really happy with what you did, and... Then we can encourage the self-esteem and the self-individuation that she gets permission to say she did something well and she's happy with it because a hijackal snatch that from you in a moment. Right. And the thing with the same-sex mother-child thing with a hijackal thing, high, high competition. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: High competition. Now, I remember with my own mom, Robin, my dad would go away for six months of the year. Can't blame him because he didn't want to be with her either, but he'd leave me with her. And I remember one night, it really stands out in my mind about this competition because we were having a moment which very rarely happened. But my mother said something about her leg and she extended her leg and I think I was 13 or so. And so I extended my leg and I said, our legs are the same you know, look how much alike they are. And my mother said, no, you'll never have as shapely legs as I have, right? Oh. <laughs> that's, oh, you know, here I think are having a girl bonding moment, right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she's immediately into the competition mode. And so that's what that young lady has likely experienced, either overtly or covertly. Mm-hmm. And so... It, th- dad has to be really aware of that, that it isn't a competition, like what you do is what you uniquely do, and how you do it, and what you enjoy, and that's what makes you you, honey, so I'm interested in that, and you know, when I went to school, I was a really bad, bad person for drawing, I couldn't do it at all, can you do it at all, you know, that kind of conversation as opposed to the interrogation shorthand kind of interest in children. Well what'd you do? How many people were there? How long did it take? You know? Right. You know, it's not you're not a detective, just the facts, ma'am. You're trying to get some global understanding of how your daughter felt about her day. Right. And so that's the kind of engagement you need and you probably need some skills to do that well.
1: Yeah. It takes a little bit of practice. So, cause yeah, cause I think a lot of times the, the gut reaction is just to kind of go into that interrogator mode. Like it comes very naturally to a lot of us. And so learning this other way of communicating can be really challenging. And so and you suggest like taking a course like on like nonviolent communication or things like that.
2: Well, yes. You know, I've written a lot of books. Um, Uh One of the books that I wrote, Kaizen for Couples, strangely enough, um, works for every relationship in your life. And I put all of my secrets of great relationships in that book. The Kaizen is a Japanese word, K-A-I-Z-E-N. and What it means is small, positive, incremental improvements. Oh, I like that. So it works for everybody, but I happened to be writing it in the couples market at the time. But Mm -hmm. in there is my particular take on how to give messages that get the best responses. And I call it the personal weather report. When you learn to do that well and you do, you practice it, it looks as though it is so simple, but it's just not that easy. So you have to practice. But um, uh-huh. when you learn to do that, you can do it with children, you can do it with coworkers, you can do it with siblings, you can do it everywhere you go. And it is a very mature way of interacting and it has no spillage. People don't feel like they have to take care of you or you're expecting a particular answer or you're blaming or shaming or judging or manipulating. And that makes it a spacious place to have a communication, which means it makes it safer. Mm. Could you outline real quick, like, the steps to, uh, to this process? Well... Sure it as i said it sounds so easy yes what, what, you, what you have the right if you can accord yourself the right to take up space and draw breath and you know I, that's it in itself sounds simple robin but many people have not When you get down to it, they're kind of like, oh, a little pressed against the wall, or should I say something, or do I have the right to speak up, or do I have the right to take up space, or be here, or add my voice. So first of all, we have to encourage ourselves to recognize we have that right. And then here's my definition of assertiveness, because I want everyone to be assertive by this definition. That once you know you have that right, then you have the right to say what you Think, feel, need, and want as long as you never mention another human by name or pronoun. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm speaking only of myself, then I am giving that personal weather report. Here's what's going on within me. All right. And so I'll share that. I will open myself to you and I will tell you what's going on in here. And if, if I put that out there and you find something that interests you, or you want to tell me what's going on within you, we begin to have parallel, equal, reciprocal, mutual conversations. It takes a while mm-hmm. because it's a shift. Right. But when we start to, to use the personal weather report in that way, and we begin to trust that this is a good process, and we see the results. And, it, you know, in a primary relationship like a couple, it takes a while because you kind of wary about it. But you have, you have to give it a shot. But when you're dealing with yourself, you need to be knowing that you have those rights so then you can accord them to other people because you can't give a gift you don't have.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And a healthy relationship has five relational gifts that are also in Kaizen for couples. A healthy relationship has honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability.
1: Yes, all very important.
2: Yes, and that also includes our relationships with our children, and that we build that into the way that we communicate with our children, age appropriately, topic appropriately. Right. I've had so many people and, you know, perhaps not happening in the situation with your client, but so many people who tell me that, well, when dad left mom, then mom all the time, she just, you know, took me into her confidence. She told me all kinds of things that were going on. She told me inside things about her friends. She kind of made me into her friend and it was awful. Right. So that's what I mean about age appropriate. You know, right. It's inappropriate to make your child your confidant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. But but when mm-hmm. you are when you will adopt something like the personal weather report and you will practice it because you see the value of it, you will find that your life gets better and your relationship life gets better, but you feel cleaner and clearer. And that's important. And you don't have difficulty setting boundaries and maintaining them any longer. You know, I take people through lots of processes so they know what their values are. They know how to communicate well. They know how to set those boundaries and maintain them. These are all important things that we need to have within our own set. And then we need to teach our children.
1: Yes, absolutely. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back.
0: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances... You find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day. It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it. Yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach. Robin's five-week course, Be Persuasive, How to Have Successful Conversations, outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations. You'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication, raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner, maintain your focus no matter how the other party reacts, and resolve problems once and for all. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com.
3: Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your favorite Voice America talk radio network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com Now back to Robin LaCrosse.
1: So Dr. Roberta, I would like to talk a little bit about emotional intelligence. We hear a lot about it. Can you tell us like what that is and how that plays into?
2: Sure. I, I have two podcasts, Robin, and one of them is called Emotional Savvy. And mm-hmm. that's basically what emotional intelligence is. It's it's being wise to the ways of the emotional world, your emotional world, responding to emotion, seeing emotion, feeling emotion, picking up on what's going on, being wise to that. Like a hijacker has very little emotional intelligence that they use for good. What they will do is see opportunities. They will see places vulnerabilities, you know, that way.
3: Mm-hmm. But they're
2: not using their emotional intelligence to create a meaningful relationship, deeper relationship, emotional intimacy. Um, they're not even using it in the workplace to create productive, successful, mutual teams, collaborative teams. They won't collaborate. But when we have emotional intelligence, then we can speak the language of emotion, whether we're speaking that uh, verbally or non verbally. And so we pick up on things and we notice, you know, to be emotionally intelligent, you don't walk in and blurt out what's going on in your life. You pick up on the signs and everything that's what's going on in the room you just walked into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you take know, the temperature, you see it, and then you behave appropriately.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And how can we, like, help kids cultivate? emotional intelligence
2: well first of all we have to be emotionally intelligent that's an example the role model the age old you are the role model it's always going to come back to that children fail to do what we tell them but they seldom fail to do what we do
1: Mm -hmm. so true
2: So you just have to keep that in mind. You know, I was a school teacher, school counselor, then I was administrator of school, and I ended up being administrator of a school for at-risk teenagers. So I've been in that territory. I know what's possible to do in the school setting, but you have to also know what's possible to do at home. And many people get into the parenting game just by virtue of getting pregnant. Yep. They never informed themselves of how to be a great parent. And they haven't prepared themselves to do it. I used to teach a lot of um, parenting classes to people with children under three for the university up when I lived in Seattle. And I would always say to them, I really hope you enjoyed the two, three minutes of conception, if it was that long. Um, and they would always go, oh, What, what, what? And I said, Because at that moment, you took on a lifelong commitment to demonstrate to your child what a woman is, what a man is, what a man and woman or a woman and woman, a man and man is in relationship with each other. And you will be that model forever. So be a wise model, a model that has been informed and educated. So the first step is that you need to be emotionally intelligent. And when you do that, then you can pick up on cues from your child You know, here's a simple thing. You have a small child you want to communicate with? Get down at their eye level eye to eye with them when you want to talk to them. Don't always be talking down to them. Get down there and be at eye level or bring them up to eye level when they're in a chair or something, not bring them up here to talk to them. and then <laughs> put them down. But, you know, something as simple as that is emotional intelligence because just think, you want to talk to somebody like this all the time. Right. You no, know, it, it's, it's got its own nonverbal communication in that situation So, where are you when you talk to your children how do you talk to them do you talk straight across do you talk when you have time to talk with them or do you talk when you're in a hurry are you always trying to shortcut something and just get your point across and they don't get to tell you what's going on for them this is the way that you develop emotional intelligence in children is a to demonstrate it b to encourage it
1: right okay and is that, and this is a way too that we can help kids cultivate empathy. Or are there things that we could, or and or should do to help? Not that we should, but um, you know, to help kids cultivate empathy.
2: Well, empathy starts at that very, very, very roots. You know, a lot of the research shows that hijackle tendencies are created in the first two years of life.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: So, this means that you teach children to be interested and kind to animals and you, you say to them, oh, look, you know, I, I raised three kids mostly by myself and I would pull the car over and I'd say, oh, look at the rainbow. We're just going to take a minute to look at the rainbow. Or, oh, I just opened my window and something smells great. Let's go find it. You know, getting kids to respond to their environment to be looking for the positive, to be picking up on things that, that are all around them. This is how they become empathetic. And then, then you teach them as well. You know, little children know sad, glad, mad, and bad. Mm-hmm. You know those four words. You know, how are you feeling? You know, I think one of the things we also need to do is, why do we have this expectation, Robin, and this is a rhetorical question, why do we always think children should be in a good mood? I I don't get that. We are not always in a good mood. Right. And yet children, maybe they're unhappy or they're sad or they're sullen or whatever's going on. And what do we want? We want them to be different. We want them to be the way we want them to be. This is how you teach emotional intelligence. Hey, you know, not looking like the best moment. Is it okay to talk now or would it be better in a half hour? You know, allowing children to have their feelings. Mm -hmm. Allowing children to have a moment or to withdraw. I mean, one of the most horrible things that we do is we say, you know, well, come on, put a smile on your face to somebody else, even to another adult. Well, maybe they're not feeling like smiling. Right. Why can't we honor one another? Why can't we lean into somebody else and, and find out what's going on with them rather than expect them to meet our expectations? Right. Right. Or
1: deal with us feeling uncomfortable with their emotions.
2: Exactly. You know, like, I don't know what to do, so pick another emotion. I know what to do with
1: it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I can't. My heart is broken right now. It's like, I can't smile, you know.
2: That's right. I'm sorry. I, I have nothing for you right now. And that has to be okay.
1: Right. Absolutely.
2: So so why, yeah. why, why do these little beings always have to be happy? Right. You They're know, not, not here
1: to appease us.
2: No, or to make us happy. Right. You know? right. When When we allow... For the variation of humanness on a day to day basis. And children know that they're loved no matter how they're feeling. You know, that's different than how they're behaving. We have to teach them how to behave. But how they're feeling is something that is deeply personal to them. There's not a way to feel. Right. <laughs> so, this is another way of encouraging emotional intelligence to make it all right to give your feelings a name. And to have them, and then to say, what would I like to do with it? I want to sit with it for a while. I'm, I want to be alone. You know, teach them to become cognizant of what works for them.
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about hijackals some more. <laughs>
0: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances... You find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day. It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it. Yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach robin's five-week course be persuasive how to have successful conversations outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations you'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner maintain your focus no matter how the other party reacts and resolve problems once and for all visit holisticsexedradio.com to find out more that's holisticsexedradio.com. Hi, my name is Cass Thomas, and I'd like to invite you to join me and my friend Monish Malhotra for our show Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs. We'll be talking about abuse, exclusion, relationship addictions, possibilities, LGBTQI, and more. Is it time to create the life you truly desire? Join us Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This show can change your life. It's changing ours.
3: Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy
0: You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. We're back.
1: And so, Dr. Roberta, can you tell us, let's say somebody was listening to this episode today and they have come to the realization that, oh, I display some of these tendencies. Am I a hijackal? Can what can they do, like to change their behavior or make it so that it's you know safer for their kids to uh, to come to them?
2: Well, first of all, that would be wonderful self awareness, wouldn't it?
1: Uh, yes, that. this might be a completely <laughs> hypothetical scenario.
2: Yes, I think it is quite hypothetical because any person who's a hijacker who happens to listen to this which they highly are unlikely to do mm-hmm. because there's nothing wrong with them and they have nothing to learn.
1: There you
2: uh, go. <laughs> but if one of the things that that really has truth in what you just said though is if a, if someone has been with a hijacker for quite a while. It's something you start second guessing in yourself, you start thinking, "Oh, am I the hijacker?" Mm-hmm. Right? Because I've started to behave the same way. Right. And we call that getting or fleas, you know, <laughs> because you, you you start to say, well, I'm going to show you what it feels like, and you behave the same way back. And right. So you get some of that going on. You want to eradicate that um, from any behavior that you might have if you're thinking, oh, well, what do I do? I engage in all or nothing thinking, or I have to win every conversation, or... I'm I'm rather black and white in my in my range of emotions or my expectations or I do and say things that are just stunning And I just shut the whole room down. Oh, maybe I should be aware of that. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things. And I have a free ebook for everyone called How to Spot a Hijackal.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So if you have someone in mind and you're wondering if they fit the criteria, you can do that. And that's at hijackals.com. And you spell that the way you'd think, hijackals.com. So it's really important to, if you have that thought, to find out. You know, maybe you had a hijackal mother or father Mm -hmm. yourself, and then you get into a relationship, which you will. You will get into a relationship with a hijackal at least once or twice in your early life, and you will keep trying to appease them, just as you tried to find some way for your hijackal parent to love you. You keep hoping that, you know, if I am more compassionate, more patient, more kind, I'm less demanding, I take up less space, I'm less visible, maybe they'll love me then. Um, right. No, it doesn't work like that with hijackles. The more space you give them, the more they take up, the less they want for you, and you end up, like, squished. There's mm-hmm. very little left of you. You're thin, you're brittle, you're, you're downtrodden, put down, worn down, torn down continuously. So if these things are making sense to you, then this is the time to say, whoa, I've had that in my background. It seems to be happening in my relationship. What are my kids seeing And no, I don't want any more of that, which is why I see clients always by video conferencing all over the world. But I also have a membership site so people can get completely off social media and have the same experience because my membership site looks like Facebook, but it's completely on my website and no one can find you there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. What, what if
1: you have a hijackle in your past and you were actually just talking about this and you find that you keep attracting hijackles to which be in relationship with and which you were just talking about. So what can people do to kind of break this pattern or learn to identify hijackles quickly before you like spend a lot of time with them type thing? Um, I know that they say that we are the sum of the you know five closest people that we spend time with so if we have hijackles in our past we probably don't want to have a lot of them around us so what can we do no, to not don't. attract them
2: well first of all go get the ebook how yes, to spot a hijackle so you know what's up there but also, as you acquire information, like my YouTube channel is For, F-O-R, Relationship Help, H-E-L-P. I've got hundreds of videos up there. Go and see what resonates. Is Did I get this piece? Did I get that piece? Do I feel this way? Could it be caused by this? I always invite people to say, okay, I'm just going to do a little moratorium here. I'm going to regroup. I'm going to look at myself. I'm going to learn about myself. I'm going to dissect things from my past so that I can I can come into life from my values and vision now as opposed to from my past. And so it's always a good gift to give yourself to find out, get some help to do that. very hard to do it on your own Mm -hmm. because you are in that thought pattern. So when I ask clients questions, just as when you ask your clients questions, then all of a sudden it comes from outside themselves and they will think about it more. Otherwise, they'll just keep, you know, being, doing, having, repeating going as fast as they can. So give yourself some time to explore, what have I been given? Is it working for me? Do I want to keep it? Would I like to replace it? Which would I like to keep? Which would I like to replace? And what would I like to replace it with? You really are valuable and you matter. So give yourself that time. Invest that time in yourself to go back and figure out what really happened to me and is it negatively impacting the way I feel about myself or my relationships with others?
1: And if you find that you are having things that are having a negative impact, what are ways that people can go about like repatterning those kinds of behaviors or responses?
2: Well, first of all, awareness is, is Queen, right? Absolutely. Um, and then, then you take it in teeny tiny doable chunks. That's what I call them: TTDCs. Mm-hmm. Teeny tiny doable chunks. Like I'm going to, going to think about that a little differently. I'm going to think about myself a little differently, and I'm going to practice doing that. I also have to look at my levels of anxiety. And own up to them, you know, if I do have anxieties about certain things, because that's taking up your vital energy. Mm-hmm. and You don't want to be resonating with that anxiety. And maybe it's from your past and it's not happening now, but you still have it. So that might be something you want to look at. How do you treat yourself? Do you treat yourself well? Do you honestly believe that you deserve your attention? You know, I used to give a lot of big seminars to singles, and I would say, "Hey, how many of you took yourself out this weekend?" And there would be like everybody looking at each other, and they say, "Well, if you won't take yourself out, why should someone else?" Right, right. Like if if you don't, you find yourself being reflected by other people when you have not decided what you're going to project, then they're running the movie, not you. So yeah. you you need to uh, look at what your value system is now. Mm-hmm. How is that functioning in the world? How are you demonstrating that? Is it is it flowing for you, or are you actually being thwarted in that? What's your vision for your life? What would you like the next five years to be like? What would you like to feel like during those five years? What kind of relationships would you like to have, and how would you like them to go? How would you like to feel in them? Then what are your beliefs? How do you believe the world works? How do you believe families work? How do you believe communities work? How do you believe the world works, or money works, or spirituality works? What are you? beliefs and how are they showing up? And then the last thing is, you know, in in alignment with your vision and your values and your beliefs is what are your current goals and mission and purposes? like. I was working with someone the other day, and she said, oh, I don't think I know my purpose. And she had just told me how much she likes to go walking and talking. I said, you know, probably you think you're supposed to have this great lofty purpose. How about if it is that I walk and talk with people who haven't been out of the house for a month? You know, something that is in alignment with what you love, and you share it with someone else.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: You know, the, it's simple little things, and for every person it's different, but all of these things need to be in place.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today, and I am going to put all of your links in the show notes for everybody, so just in case they didn't catch it when you uh, when you rattled it off there, just to make everything available. Great. And, yeah, I totally appreciate your time, and... Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me as your guest. I really appreciate that. And I know that you bring value to everybody by what you do. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. I wanted to tell you about a self-study course that I have available. It's called It's Your Life. And this is a powerful workbook that I put together along with accompanying videos that will lead you through a process that will help you determine what is actually most important to you. So we go through a whole process where we identify values, we look at beliefs, we talk about goals, life, dreams, and then this workbook will lead you through a process to help you turn those goals and visions into reality. This workbook is great to do any time of the year, really, but I always make a point to do it at year-end, like in November, for sure, or December at the latest to plan for my next year. The workbook is also a really great resource for teenagers who might be trying to figure out what to do with their lives. So it will help you figure out what is most important to you and where you want to put your energy and give you a plan on how to manifest these desires into reality. So you can go to holisticsexedradio.com and check that out. Thank you for listening today,
0: everybody. Have a beautiful day.